return to Faye Dunaway in Mommy Dearest. Monday, it's a special behind-the-scenes event. Meet the bad, the ugly, the cute, the cuddly, the classic creatures. Return of the Jedi. Host Gary Fisher and Billy D. Williams reveal the secrets behind legendary characters from King Kong to Jabba the Hutt. Classic creatures. Return of the Jedi. Monday. Then we must eat before we eat. Thanksgiving on Aftermath brings a surprise reunion, and Newhart volunteers Joanna to cook Thanksgiving dinner. How many people are we talking about? Thirty couples. Then, on Emerald Point, Leslie's secret affair explodes while Hillary faces a new kind of blackmail. Re-yeast, tooth face, squid head, boobo, six-six, hermioodle, yak face, the toadstool terror, rock, wart, nickdo, weevil, weevil. Episode number 134 of Blast Points. This is Jason. And this is Gabe. And coming up, we are going to be talking all about the classic documentary from 1983, Classic Creatures, because this is the kickoff of Return of the Jedi Month. R-O-T-J in the USA. R-O-T-J in the USA. R-O-T-J in the USA. Four weeks of nothing but Return of the Jedi stuff. And maybe we'll have some guests. Maybe it's going to be extra special. We'll have to wait and see. Could be some special folks stopping by for some special chats in coming weeks. Because it's all Return of the Jedi, all month long. Except when we're talking about Episode 9. Because there is some serious Episode 9 stuff to go over. USA. sense because episode nine is the new return of the jedi so it's the end of the saga for the third time (laughs) it's the third film in the third trilogy three times three is nine (laughs) math math points that's what's what's going on this week (laughs) oh my god so what's going on with episode nine this week not too much just a photo 
it's officially our first look at episode nine. It's a blurry, vague look, but it is our first look at episode nine. It's it's not quite uh, Mark Hamill's glowing hair on Skellig with the sun glistening off of it, but it's close. That was a special time. But, you know, it took me, I looked at this for, I don't know, a long time before I realized that that was a camera. <laughs> wait, wait. I, I, I thought it was like some crazy spaceship thing or like the ones that uh, Ron Howard would post of like parts of the set or something. Yeah. Well, at first I didn't see anything because I was just like, oh, what? Oh, nine. And it was just like a big blur of like a black thing in the corner. And all I saw was like the, the Roman numerals on the side of the camera. And for some reason, I thought there was like a clone trooper helmet on the side of the camera. And but then I, I honed in on Finn. I was able to do that. I didn't see Chewbacca until hours later. Yeah, Finn. Yeah, eventually I I saw Finn and I'm like, oh, it's Finn. <laughs> and then yeah, then eventually it's like, oh wait, there's the view screen from the camera. No, wait, what's that? Oh wait, there's Chewbacca. So following the tradition of Ryan Johnson and Ron Howard, uh, JJ is is back on social media. We were trying to figure out. When he would post those notes from the set of Force Awakens, was that his social media or was it Bad Robot? I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. But he did post some stuff on social media, but not as much as Ron Howard. No. (laughs) (laughs) And not as much as Ryan Johnson. I wasn't expecting anything other than them just saying that filming started. So this was a, a pleasant surprise and... Obscure enough to keep us guessing, right? We spent how many hours have we spent just trying to figure out if that's Daisy Ridley in the corner or not? About 40, 42 hours, I think. Oh, man. Yeah, it's classic Star Wars tease style. Because on the surface, you look at it and you're like, oh, that's cool. Look, there's Chewbacca and then the Cop with a Million Falcon. That's something we've seen a million times before. Nothing new about that. But then. When you start digging closer and getting out the magnifying glass, millions of questions arise. Is is Finn wearing Ray's vest from the island? He could be. Poe gave him a jacket in Force Awakens, and now in Last Jedi, Ray was like, "You can wear my vest. That's cool." Yeah. So it looks like Finn's got like the like a gray vest. Chewie is in the co-pilot seat of the Falcon looking very like we were talking last week, like what's Chewie's look going to be? Is it going to be more wild and loose like solo? It looks very more smooth. Last Jedi Chewie kind of like from, from the, the few blurry pixels we have. It's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely last Jedi Chewie. The main pilot seat of the Falcon. Is it crazy to think that that's Ray? No, but it could be somebody else. I still don't know. Ray would make the most sense, but you know that you know that JJ. <laughs> you, if you look in like the view screen up above, you can kind of see it. Kind of looks more like Daisy Ridley. It looks like she has her head turned, like she's laughing with John Boyega. And like I still say, the arms look like Daisy Ridley's arms, but it looks like she's wearing like a kind of a light colored jacket kind of situation, maybe. Yeah, or a, sh- a white shirt. And the funny thing is there's that shadow that is probably just a shadow, but I keep thinking she has the Phantom Menace Obi-Wan Padawan braid. <laughs> I can't imagine that being the look for uh, Ray in Episode Nine, so it must be just a shadow or something. I mean, it could be that her hair is a little longer, and it could be like almost a Padme-like braid 
down the front, even though she is the last Jedi, but she's not the the last Jedi, you know, like the old ways are gone, but the, the, the old ways live on in Ray. It could be a nice kind of visual shout out to the old kind of Padawan braids, but kind of different. But I don't think Ray is a Padawan by any means. I think she's if you had to judge it by the old scale, I'd say at this point she's a Jedi Knight. Maybe we're just fooling ourselves when we kept thinking that she almost is dressed like Return of the Jedi Luke. A little bit, either the or Bespin Luke. It's like a mix between Bespin and a white version of Jedi Luke jacket from those blurry pixels. Though, if if Ray is kind of dressed in white, almost hearkening back to Luke in A New Hope, that you know, this is the the final film in the Skywalker saga. That would be a kind of neat bookend to back to where it began. Well, and it would be cool too because she, I guess, for everybody really, because seven and eight were so close together in time, everybody didn't really get drastically different looks between seven and eight. Um, really with none, any of the main cast, right? Finn kind of had the same clothes on. Poe had the same clothes on. I guess he had a darker jacket, but Ray's various outfits were all very similar. It'd be kind of cool to see. I mean, and we already kind of seen it with Finn a little bit more of a drastic change in his look with a different haircut and then the vest, the fishing vest. <laughs> Maybe that's Finn's whole story in this movie. He he has his cool new haircut and the whole movie is just like, I just want to go fishing. Yeah. And there's a whole subplot of Finn's always got his fishing hook and like a tackle box. Maybe he'll fight stormtroopers with a fishing pole. He'll pull their helmets off. Hey, where's my helmet? You heard it here first. Scoops. <laughs> oh, I just noticed something. I feel dumb. So... Are the stickers on there? Is this the same camera they used for seven? That's why there's a, a seven sticker on there and a nine sticker. That's what I was guessing. I was like, man, where's the love for eight? Yeah, I guess Ryan's got his own cameras. <laughs> he was filming it on his one of, one of his little antique handheld things. Maybe because Dan Mendel is back as the director of photography. Yeah, that could be. He got his lucky camera back out. And what's the big C for? I bet you that is camera C. Like they have A camera, B camera, C camera. Either that or it's for Code Breaker or Count Dooku. Chewbacca. <laughs> this is the only camera that we use for Chewbacca. Yeah. If you get crazy with this photo, you look right behind Finn. What is that? Is that like a giant green hand or something? What is that? I, I don't know. I was talking with Richie about it, and he thought maybe it was the, the people in the green suits controlling the porgs. Oh, let's hope. I hope there's a scene with Chewie in bed, and his room is just like wall-to-wall porgs, and he just sleeps in a pile of porgs. It's pretty much like that. Remember in the Force Awakens concept art book, there was that picture of Luke like buried in the sand except for his face? I there's a scene of Chewie just buried in porgs and just his face peeking out. I feel like it was like I think we talked about it and it was like the joke going around after Solo came out that Lando would get the Falcon back and there'd be a bunch of porgs nests in there. But maybe that could really could happen. His closet's still there full of capes, but it's full of porgs. <laughs> yeah, I want a pork coming down the hall of the Millennium Falcon wearing a miniature Lando cape. We're counting on you, JJ. You're going to make things right. <laughs> You're going to turn this ship around. I'm going to make a new... JJ, there's rules about Star Wars. You just got to follow the rules. Uh, porgs and capes, rule number one. It's the end of the Skywalker saga. Come on. Yeah. Get it together. I was just thinking now, too, since we're talking about Chewie, if Chewie's still alive, 
maybe Sagwa's still alive and he can show up and help out for the final battle. He better be like a healthy, a healthier Sagwa. He's been eating good and his hair kind of came back in. We get like the blow dry, fluffy, uh, feathered Sagwa look. He shows up with the with the whole Sagwa family speaking perfect English. Chewbacca, I'm back. You know, Chewbacca, I never got to say thank you for that thing on Kessel. Okay, JJ, rule number two. It's so easy. <laughs> bring all the fans back into the fold. Everybody loves Sagwa, right? Yeah. So StarWars.com was promising more JJ Photos updates. You know, I, I was checking all day Thursday for another photo, but I feel like we've only just begun with uh, this Episode Nine blurry photo. Party. I'd like it if they just start posting photos of what the cast is eating. Yes. That would be enough to tie me over. It's like, oh, what did oh Oscar Isaac ate a sandwich today? Oh, okay. I'm gonna eat a sandwich too. Oh, we've only just begun. We've only just begun. This is where the fun begins. All right, so now it's time to get really serious. We need to get back into Beard Watch. Beard Watch. A great big bushy beard. Let's run through the cast and characters of Episode 9 and what their beard status is as of the first week of August 2018. All right, let's do it. Poe Dameron, Oscar Isaac, what's going on? What are we looking at? There's uh, someone on Twitter posted... Pictures from, like, Benefit he put on, right, for Guatemala? Thursday, August 2nd, in London, he had a benefit for Guatemala. A lot of the cast of Episode 9 was there. You get a good shot of Oscar Isaac. There is no beard. No beard. He's looking very Poe, though. He's got Mm -hmm. the sideburns are in full effect. The hair is full Poe. No beard. He's looking Poe-fessional. All right. Hawks. Dom Hall Gleason. All right, so Hux is a little bit of a mystery because there's one picture where it looks like maybe he has a really stubbly goatee, and there's another picture where it looks like he doesn't. I think he's a maybe right now, but he does have some sweet sideburns coming in. My only guess is if he's got some little red stubble, like some some little peach fuzz, if you will. I, I almost wonder if in the first few days of filming, if there's been any Hux at this point. Maybe not. I can't imagine Hux being... On the bridge of a First Order ship and being unshaven, though. I think you'd get fired. But the First Order, things could be rough for the First Order. And maybe they don't, you know, maybe he doesn't have time to shave. I don't know. I'm trying to think, has there ever been, yeah, there's Imperials have had mustaches. But uh, chin beard, fuzzy chins, I can't think of anybody. Uh, So Hux is a maybe. Now, Luke, Mark Hamill. I want to say yes, he was on, what, Jimmy Kimmel this week? And he looks like he's got the Luke beard. Pretty close to back in. Mm-hmm. I think that's back in. Really no surprise. As much as he complains, he's a beard-growing professional. Oh, we've been saying this for years now. But Mark Hamill, I I like bearded Mark Hamill better. Now, when I see unbearded Mark Hamill, it's almost frightening now. He's uh, seasoned enough now. The beard works well. I keep thinking, like, like we were talking about last week, I keep thinking about... It's it's like the old question before The Force Awakens, who is Luke Skywalker? And I think that still applies. Like, who is Luke Skywalker now? What is Luke Skywalker? How is Luke Skywalker? Like, how powerful is he now? Yeah, it's a good point that even though he 
looked like he was over in in eight. We don't know. And that's like, I think that was a good, uh, we went from who is Luke Skywalker to what is Luke Skywalker. And that's the, that that's a good, good way to put it. That's the mystery of nine is what is Luke Skywalker other than, a, other than a legend. Yeah. And he willed himself, like you were saying last week, he willed himself to disappear. No one's ever done that before. I, I had last Jedi on just like the battle of crate this morning when they cut to him, you cross-legged floating there is this like, Still so unbelievable and still so hardcore what he did. If he wants to come back in a physical, you can touch, move around form in nine, I bet he could because he's just that powerful. He's the the first Jedi to be kind of trained from Jedi who did this before. It's like Qui-Gon figured out how to keep his voice around. He taught Obi-Wan and Yoda how to keep their kind of visual presence around so maybe luke can just come back at will it always it makes me think always going back to that story in a certain point of view though i know that the canonness of that is still kind of fuzzy but how qui-gon would come back to obi-wan in completely physical form and he like all the sand and the dirt and tatooine would like rise up and form into like qui-gon jinn oh yeah that that's how powerful qui-gon had become by the time of a new hope I don't know. Could be crazy. That's all I'm saying. Otherwise, if it's just Kylo tries to go to the bathroom and he looks in the toilet and Luke's ghost face is in there, I told you I'd see you around. And then Kylo runs out of the bathroom. I would be happy with just that, too. So that's note number three to JJ. <laughs> Kylo in the refresher, ghost Luke in the bowl. All right. So speaking of Kylo, beard watch. So in true Kylo Ren form, there's a picture of Daisy Ridley at that event talking to what looks like potentially a Kylo Ren wig. <laughs> it's just a, sh- a black, shapeless shadow. Maybe that's his face, and it, and he's completely covered in hair at this point. <laughs> <laughs> just in the front. Mm-hmm. And when he says something really serious, he just parts the hair. Or when you can only tell he's talking because you can see the air like blowing the hair a little bit by his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> he can't wear the mask anymore, so he's just, now the mask is my hair. Yeah. <laughs> I studied at Juilliard. <laughs> School of Mass. Uh, I'd be into it. I don't know. I'd be like, man, this is next level. JJ's JJ's gone loose. Hide inside. Lock the doors. Close the windows. The JJ's loose. The the mystery box is on fire. Well, that concludes this week's Beard Watch. (laughs) Stay tuned for more details as Beard Watch progresses during the filming of Episode 9. There's only 18 months left. Creatures from King Kong to Jabba the Hutt. Carrie Fisher, Billy D. Williams, classic creatures Return of the Jedi. All right, so kicking off Return of the Jedi Month, as we said, we are talking about the classic documentary, Classic Creatures. First aired November 21st, 1983. Not too long after Return of the Jedi. I mean, Return of the Jedi was probably still playing in a lot of theaters when you when Classic Creatures first aired on CBS, right before Thanksgiving, 1983. Gather the family around the TV. Let's watch some Classic Creatures. <laughs> it was released several times on VHS in the United States. It was released on Laserdisc in Japan. 
where it was sold separately and in a three-pack with the making of Star Wars and SPFX, which is kind of cool because making of Star Wars, SPFX, the Empire documentary, and this were all made by the late Roger Gunnett. So this is like the conclusion of his original trilogy documentary trilogy. And it, it kind of works as a fascinating companion piece to the classic from Star Wars to Jedi, The Making of a Saga, which was another Return of the Jedi documentary. Yeah, because it shares footage from that, right? It took footage from this, I'm guessing, right? Because that was the weird thing going back and watching this. Somehow, I don't think I ever saw this before. I saw for Star Wars to Jedi tons of times, but I don't think I ever saw this one. Or if I did, it was... At, you know, once or twice, and I, it's been kind of erased from my memory by Star Wars to Jedi. It seemed like it seems like from Star Wars to Jedi was more easily available on VHS, and that came out around the time of a THX re-release on VHS with like the black, the half face covers. From Star Wars to Jedi was everywhere during that time, but Classic Creatures has kind of been pushed aside. Although weirdly, Classic Creatures showed up. On the Blu-ray box set with making of Star Wars and SPFX. What so what so what were your impressions of going into Classic Creatures overall? Yeah, I think the only strange thing was just I mean, I guess it was kind of cool that it's trying to maybe because it was on TV, like talking about other movie monsters to kind of seem more educational than just a an ad for Return of the Jedi in a way. But it was cool, you know. I, I'm never gonna complain about seeing clips from Godzilla movies or anything, so. I wasn't expecting that because that's very different than any of the other kind of Star Wars making of stuff. They usually don't have other movies edited in. Before we start going into it really heavy duty, the one thing I kept thinking while watching it, and maybe we'll be able to get into this uh, in a future episode during Return of the Jedi month here, is how much behind the scenes footage, especially for like the Phil Tippett creature shop, there's got to be just hours and hours of that that we're only seeing like a couple minutes here, a few seconds there. Cause it sure seems like they filmed absolutely everything while they were working in that creature shop. Yeah. Well, and then also how much just behind the scenes footage of filming Jabba's palace. It seems like there is too. Give me a, a box set of just the raw footage. It doesn't even have to be organized. They can just throw it all on a disc and just be like, it can be star Wars behind the scenes. You figure it out. <laughs> You can edit your own your own specials out of it, yeah. Because, man, there's got to be still so much. I mean, there's even behind-the-scenes stuff in this in, like, the Rebel briefing room where there's, like, other Mon Mothmas and Maydeans and hiding out in the background where I was just like, wait, who are those people? It's amazing how much stuff they have for Jedi just waiting to be watched. But maybe they don't. I mean, maybe they don't have it. Maybe they didn't save the stuff once they edited this down. I don't know. It would be a shame if they don't. It doesn't seem like Lucasfilm has much of a history of ever throwing anything out. So I would hope, <laughs> you know, unless it's like Jabba's skin and it just deteriorated. But. Well, let's get into classic creatures and... Um, if you want to reference the actual documentary, we'll post uh, we'll post the YouTube link on our Facebook page, and uh, we'll post it over on our Facebook group page too for the, uh, the Super Star Wars Chill Group. If you want to watch it over there too, but kind of where where do we begin in 
classic creatures. How does the whole thing get started? I think we can start with the wonderful Carrie Fisher with her sweet 80s lady mullet and sport coat and t-shirt. The hosts of Classic Creatures are given one of the most ludicrous scripts in the history of ludicrous scripts. But Carrie Fisher, she's a professional 24-7, and she is giving it her all, even when the things she's being told to say are possibly the strangest things of all time. And her t-shirt is unbelievable. If Sideshow was smart or Hot Toys, they would make like a Hot Toys classic creatures, Carrie Fisher. I want Ashley Eckstein to make a t-shirt of Carrie Fisher's classic creatures t-shirt. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe one of the QVCs had it. She's starting out right away talking about how they're going to be talking about... In the Star Wars movies, we actors have had to work alongside the bad, the ugly, the cute, and the cuddly. We've worked with green rubber puppets, giant fur balls, and gold plastic robots. And more recently, with a giant slimy slug. Star Wars is the land of the Ewok, the Wookiee, Yoda, Jabba, and C-3PO. And then, not to be outdone by Carrie, Billy Dee's pretty, uh, pretty amazing in this as well. Mr. Chill. Big words. Big guy. I wonder if Miss Piggy knows he's walking around loose. <laughs> right as the Gamorrean guard walks past him. And also, Billy Dee gets to spend a whole lot of time with Salacious Crumb. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he makes the reference every child in 1983 would get. Salacious Crumb. In the movie, he plays Peter Laurie to Jabba the Hutt's Sydney Green Street. <laughs> Remember in the remember in the playground where we used to play Peter Laurie and Cindy Green Street? <laughs> we we are always at recess. Okay, which one's going to be Peter Laurie and which one's Peter Sydney Green Street? Yeah, and also Billy D gets his own ludicrous lines, knocking out gold like he sits at his blubber ship's right hand and gives people like Carrie Fisher's Princess Leia a pretty bad time. Yeah, I'm sure if there was any. Doubt he wasn't going to be back for nine. He probably kept calling him, hey, I did Classic Creatures. You owe me. You got to get me back in these movies. You know, there's been the ongoing rumor that we'll see Huts in nine. But if Lando has any interaction, interaction with a hut and looks so blubber ship, I'm out. <laughs> Goodbye. Don't worry. I got tickets for tomorrow, too. I'll be good by then. That's, that's uh, note number four to JJ. Please include the line, Sir Blubber Ship. Yeah, so then we get a crawl. We get a, a classic creature's classic crawl. Which, actually, I was thinking about the crawl that you can tell it was a custom crawl because it was made to actually be able to be legible in 4-3 aspect ratio. What you call a custom crawl. Oh, but yeah, I, before I forget, I want to mention in the first shot when Billy shows up and he's talking to the Gamorrean guard, there's like a giant maquette on the table in front of him. Who is that? Because you can see on the table in front of him, there's like a Gamorrean guard maquette. I think there maybe is an Ewok or something. And then to the right under the Rees head is this giant guy wearing like a burlap sack or something. Isn't that, is that Potsnitkin? Yeah, I think you're right. (laughs) Yeah, that is totally him. Okay. That's that's terrifying that I knew that. Sometimes I... Can't remember the proper way to spell where, but I'll never forget you, Potesnitkin. You pick Potesnitkin out of a lineup any day. 
After that, we're kind of on to our first topic of classic creatures, which naturally is Ewoks. Well, don't forget, before we get into Ewoks, we get to see Chewbacca on a ladder. We've never seen that before. And the first time watching this, I love how they foreshadow it, because when it first kind of the camera pans around and I'm like, wait a second, there's some feet up there in the corner. What's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be an Ewok jumping down, but. <laughs> Chewbacca on a ladder. Was this number number five for JJ? Number six? Yeah. So, so we're introduced to Ewoks after we see a frightening teddy bear in a mirror. Well, and also it's great that as we see concepts of Ewoks and how they get hairier and furrier and cuter, then we cut to George Lucas, who has gotten hairier and furrier and cuter. <laughs> let's let's talk about the George Lucas we see in classic creatures. <laughs> the man wolf. <laughs> Wolfman Lucas. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, I'm a wolfman. This is, you know, this is 1983 Lucas. This is this is disco Lucas. It's the same era we saw in from Star Wars to Jedi. Yeah, his hair is thick. His shirt is fluffy. It's unbuttoned dangerously far, uncomfortably low. We see a lot of that rare Lucas chest that normally we have zero access to. He's a beast. <laughs> He's got he's got a little bit of frost at the bottom of that beard. He's just, he's just starting to ripen. I didn't. The first time he came on, I didn't hear anything he said. I was just like, oh, 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 I was just looking at that chest. I was like, oh, dear. Across the stars started playing in your mind. Oh, you know, he's he was newly single at this point. You know, he had a signal to the ladies that uh, he was open for business. Lucas Lucas was available. Hey, ladies. I'm ready to go to the Aaron Neville concert. So when he is talking, he does have the classic quote, though, that they dared to be cute. The original concept of the Ewok was that he'd be short and small, sort of a short version of a Wookiee. And uh, Joe Johnston and um, Phil Tippett worked on designs. I think Nilo worked on the designs also of, of um, you know, these small creatures. The original designs were much more human-like, little men. And I wanted to get away from it looking like a man in a furry suit. I wanted it to be a creature unto itself. And in evolving that, more and more fur got put on, and uh, the eyes got bigger, and uh, he became more, more animal-like. And uh, we realized that he was getting to be a very cute creature, a very teddy bear-like creature, which first we fought a great deal, but eventually we dared to be cute. And I hope somebody makes a T-shirt with this Lucas on it that just says dared to be cute because <laughs> I'll buy two of them. That's something that Ryan Johnson embraced. JJ embraces it. And I feel like, you know, there is people out there that still push back to the cute and daring to be cute. But it's it's part of Star Wars. You can't get around it. It's kind of like Empire had the least cute. What's cute in Empire? Yeah, there is. That's definitely has the least amount of cute. Ugnaughts, Lando. Cold Chewbacca is probably the cutest thing in the movie. So we get into some fascinating footage of building Ewoks. Fascinating or disturbing? <laughs> you know, a little bit of both. We get to see like an early version of Ewoks where they were much plumper and they were very much more like teddy bears. Like they look like the, the snuggle fabric softener bear a little bit more. <laughs> is that when uh, Stuart Freeborn's like combing its hair and giving it a... Sh 
to shave. <laughs> he's really working hard. He's trying. And that one's just trying to touch its toes and everyone's just really nervous. Oh, I got I got nervous watching it. I was like, oh, that, that Ewok's going to fall over at any minute. If on the Disney streaming, there's just a like Ewok's testing out their suits channel. And it's just like four hours of that. You'll never hear from me again. Overfurred and overfoamed, the Ewoks found it difficult to move. Freeborn had to redesign the Ewoks' feet, making them softer, more flexible. And in order to keep the costumes from becoming unbearably hot and to prevent the eyes from fogging up, Freeborn ordered a hole drilled in the Ewoks' head. And it should be mentioned at the 9 minute 16 second point, there is footage of an animatronic Ewok face blinking. You're right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So blinking Ewoks has been an idea that has been trying to happen from day one. It's not some crazy Blu-ray thing that they were like, oh, my God, blinking Ewoks out of nowhere. Lucas didn't forget a thing. It's like, I needed those blinking Ewoks. It didn't work. Uh, I can't even watch this movie anymore. It makes me too mad. It's all quiet. You're Over 120 little people responded to the original Ewok casting call in London. Some applicants were rejected, being told for the first time in their lives that they were too tall. <gasps> what is it? Look, look, it's, be surprised. You've really got to act it out. <gasps> and hide, hide. All right, now run to each other. Run to each other for help. All right. The shortest Ewok was under three feet. The tallest was just over four. The youngest was only 11 years old. The oldest, 67. Among the 70 Ewoks cast were a dock worker, a civil servant, a sales lady, and a typist. Because whatever you feel inside, no matter that you've got a, a big costume on like that with all that padding, it shows through. What you feel and think shows through on your face. Warwick Davis as a child is possibly the cutest thing ever on this planet. Yeah, where's the Hot Toys child Warwick Davis out of costume figure? He's so happy in like every picture of him. I guess I would be too, though, <laughs> if there were pictures of me on the set of Return of the Jedi when I was, was he 11? How old was he? I think something like that. I kept thinking like when the the, the Ewok movement tests and you see young, young Warwick Davis, I kept thinking like, man, that's so awesome. I was thinking of him in Solo and how he's been in Rogue One and The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens. And I was just like, man, that's so awesome. Yeah, because you can tell. He just loves being there. But yeah, Hot Toys, where are your Star Wars making of documentary dolls? A full classic creature set. And you can have Carrie, Billy D, Warwick, maybe Kenny Baker. Half button shirt Lucas sitting on a couch. Man. With with real hair that you can comb with the come it comes it comes with like a like a My Little Pony miniature comb. You can brush his hair. Yeah, you'd never see me again. <laughs> Where's Gabe? Oh, he's brushing Lucas's hair again. So then they they take a little break to talk about some some creatures from other movies creature from the black lagoon godzilla they talk about ray harryhausen and then king kong and then it's straight on to the rancor or as carrie fisher calls it the rancor some monsters sometimes the most ferocious of them are simply hand puppets like the rancor in return of the jedi that part's great anytime we get to hear phil tippett talk about stuff is the best Where's the Hot Toys of Young Phil Tippett? Where's a t-shirt? YPT with the Phil, Young Phil Tippett head. <laughs> you down with YPT? Yeah, you know me. Yeah, I never get tired of seeing uh, all the different attempts at making the, 
the Rancor. I guess we don't get to see the full-on uh, Man in the Suit one and stuff. That uh, That's in Star Wars The Jedi, right? I think so. It all it all blurs together, yeah. The, the failed attempts. This one kind of just focuses on how they actually ended up doing it in the movie. All the their puppeteers are literally everywhere controlling the Rancor. I could just watch them pose it all day long, just moving his arms around. I could watch Lucas showing up, looking at the puppet, wearing a sweater vest all day long. I like this rancor. <sighs> then it's kind of on to Billy D as he introduces Admiral Akbar. I can't tell if he's happy or complaining that Han got Chewbacca and he got a co-pilot with a face like a halibut. Odd co-pilots in Star Wars. I mean, Han Solo had a Wookiee. And Lando Calrissian flew with a what? A creature with a face like a halibut? He gets all the best lines. You know, though, in 83, Nine Numb wasn't the legend that he is today. It's true. I'm sure no one imagined that 30 years later, he'd still be alive. <laughs> 35 years later, he's one of the, like, eight people still alive at the end of The Last Jedi. <laughs> he's made it all the way through. Right after that, though, we go into one of the finest moments in all of recorded history— Admiral Akbar is singing. The fleet commander, Admiral Akbar, is a cross, I guess, between um, a lobster man and a creature from the Black Lagoon. A good creature, Akbar. Proof that ugly is not necessarily bad. But some creatures have accepted and enjoyed the way they look. Enough of this serious talk. I'd like to regale you now with, Oh, I'm ugly, I'm ugly, Essien. Because beautiful's out ugly's in. If you're ugly like me, you're in good company. Because there's millions of us who are ugly. Yeah, this was the part I wasn't expecting this. I didn't remember this. Yeah, it took me a little while to regain my composure. <laughs> I remember you saying that you hadn't watched this in a long time or at all. And I went back and rewatched this like a couple months ago. Be like, how good is Classic Creatures? And once I got to singing Akbar, I was like, okay. It, it could have been 20 minutes of static up to this point and then just a black screen for the last 30 minutes. And it would still be highly recommended just for this part. I like that when this part's done, they immediately cut to someone pouring like uh, rubber cement or lacquer or some sort of cleaning alcohol because i feel like i need a drink i want to drink what's pouring out of that jug after hearing akbar sing well and not too long after that we get i think it's tim rose practicing akbar lip movements on the word penetrate penetrated penetrated penetrate penetrate no ship can penetrate it Penetrate, penetrate, penetrate it, penetrate it, Pe penetrate. <laughs> That's what I dream about at night. Tim Rose is a national treasure. Penetrate, penetrate it. There's something, there's just something magical about out of character Akbar. I don't know what it is. It's almost like if Akbar was a real person, if you will. And this is Akbar when he's not playing Admiral Akbar. The real Mon Calamari actor. <laughs> deep, a deep, deep sea thespian. From Mon Calamari. Yeah, it's kind of sad they never made a Mon Calamari that just had Tim Rose's voice. 
They still could. Maybe uh, Akbar's son will be in episode nine. I would love to see, you know, with the people coming in, the allies far out in the outer rim, I'd love to see some more Moncals show up. I mean, they've got such a long history with the Rebel Alliance, and especially maybe after they learn the death of uh, Akbar, let's get some more Moncals in there in nine. You can never have too many Mon Calamari. That's note number eight to JJ. Can never have too many Mon Calamari. No ship can penetrate it. So then we move on. They're talking about Return of the Jedi's cousin, the Dark Crystal. A little bit of Jim Henson on there talking about puppets. And some Frank Oz action. Which kind of leads nicely into they talk about Yoda. You get Billy D talking about Miss Piggy, which is kind of uncomfortable for some reason. Frank Oz is Yoda. But he's also the persona of the most nubile, the most sensuous, the most well-rounded performer ever to grace the silver screen. Frank Oz is Miss Piggy. I really love Miss Piggy. Look at her. She's beautiful, people. We got a little bit of a, there's a little E.T. bits in there, too, right? Billy, he's talking about E.T. Save the world with his love and his beautiful message to the world and the children of America and the world of love. The original Jedi of love. Yoda and E.T., proof that the classic creatures of the movies can touch us all. After that, then we're heading straight into Jabba's palace where all the magic happens. Which This is really crazy because this documentary, I want to say, is like the only documentary where we get a really good close-up look at a Bomar monk right away. We get a really good close-up look at Animana Man. Yeah, and uh, oh, the ugly face dude. Yeah, Hermie Odal. Yeah, you get a good shot of him. They like they're brushing his teeth. <laughs> you get you get an amazing shot of Phil Tippett like painting the the weird tongue that comes out of the ceiling of Jabba's palace. Then we, after kind of shortly after all this amazing footage, we cut back to Carrie Fisher, who gets possibly the greatest line in the entire documentary. Reyes. Toothface, Squidhead, Bubo, Six Six, Hermioodle, Yak Face, the Toadstool Terror, Rock Wart, Nikto, Weeba Weeba, Ulan Woof. I worked with all those creatures, had lunch with them, let some of them borrow my hair dryer. It sometimes is hard to believe that most of them were just so much aluminum tubing, steel rods, and pipes, and vinyl air hose. Do you know the story with Weeba Weeba? No. <laughs> So somebody once went through classic creatures and went there. Now, some of them, you know, Rees, Hermiotl, Yak Face, we all know who they are. There's some I'm not as familiar with, like the Toadstool Terror, but I'm confident that they're in there somewhere. But a real mystery was developed on who is Weeba Weeba. Okay. So there's an article on StarWars.com. I'll put it in the show notes. Where Pablo, being the maniac that he is, went through the Lucasfilm archives to figure out who Weeba Weeba is. Weeba Weeba was originally thought to maybe be the Rancor Keeper's actual name. Then they thought maybe it was like some random skiff guy. But eventually, after months and months of digging through the archives, it was figured out that Weeba Weeba was the production name of Gargon, or Gargan, however you pronounce it, Jabba's dancer that is an Ula. Oh, okay. Yes. So Weeba Weeba, she, originally her name was Weeba Weeba, which I kind of like Weeba Weeba for her name rather than Gargon. Though I've I've known to love her as Gargon, but. <laughs> 
I, I'm curious who the Toadstool Terror is, though, and why I can't get a Toadstool Terror t-shirt. The Toadstool Terror does have a name. It's J Nella. Where can we find the Toadstool Terror in, in Return of the Jedi? I don't know. On the Wikipedia page, there's a picture. It looks like a cross between an elephant and the swamp thing. Okay. When, when Lando is bringing Leia up to Jabba, and she's like, we have powerful friends. If you look kind of the, the center of the screen above Efontmon back there, you can see the Toadstool Terror's head in like in shadow. Oh, man. Okay. If you say so. So next time your family is over at your house, what you do is you say, you know what? August is Return of the Jedi Month, and we're going to watch it in a whole new way this time. We're going to look for the Toadstool Terror. Make a point of it. Make a party out of it. Invite all your friends over. Have a Toadstool Terror party. It's the, uh, what, third Thursday in November? Isn't that Toadstool Terror Day? It sure is. <laughs> the giving of the Toadstool? <laughs> that's that's memo number nine to JJ. Give thanks for the Toadstool Terror. Uh, so after that, we go more classic moments. They talk about uh, the invention of Go Motion and how that relates to Dragon Slayer. We get some real cool footage of Efontmon cruising around, which you can't talk about Return of the Jedi without bringing up Efontmon at some time. So kind of after that, we get some absolutely amazing footage of Chewbacca, Ewoks, and Gamorrean guards showing up at an airport. Oh, I'm sure there were a couple heart attacks uh, at the airport that day. Oh, yeah, Ewoks boarding a plane. <laughs> Carrying plane tickets. Right after this, when they start showing some of the filming of Return of the Jedi or Jabba's Palace stuff, there's a good shot of one of the crew members wearing a big comfy sweater that if it had a lobster on the back, looks a lot like Ryan Johnson's sweater. I really thought that too. So maybe a young Ryan Johnson got his fashion sense from watching classic creatures way too many times. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Ryan Johnson is just so dialed into the making of Star Wars movies where he's watching classic creatures every day. And to him, he's like, this is what you wear on the set of a Star Wars movie. Big, fluffy, comfy sweater. <laughs> but he got his with a lobster on the back, which, you know, I don't blame him. No. And we start getting into the Max Rebo band after that. And there's a great part with Phil Tippett talking about how George Lucas just really got into the Max Rebo band. They're just some, a whim that George has really pursued and has seemed to really be interested in and has a lot of fun with, although they occupy one line in the script that says something like, and then the band started up. It's just one line in the script, but he just wouldn't let it go. <laughs> I went in to see the first mock-up of her. And she had these little teeny lips, and I just, it just occurred to me, wouldn't it be great with along the end of this long snout of these giant red lips, Mick Jagger lips. Then you watch that, and then you think of the special edition, and you're like, yeah, God, he was really into those lips, wasn't he? Well, and we even get the clip of George Lucas saying, Mick Jagger lips. <laughs> so if you ever wanted to hear George Lucas say, Mick Jagger lips, this is the uh, documentary for you. Mick Jagger lips. It's on your Blu-ray. Get out that last disc in the set. Everybody forgets about those bonus discs, but get it out. Mick Jagger lips. It's on there. Miss Snooty is not only a classic creature, but a classic party animal. And then after that, we move on to Jabba the Hutt, where Billy D gets the classic line. Jabba doesn't do anything. He doesn't plug airplanes out of the air or tear down elevated trains. He just 
oozes mean. I mean, he's bad. <laughs> but just as we think we're going to start talking about Jabba the Hutt, we then cut to Lucas, and he's back in the big chair. <laughs> now, I couldn't tell if that's the same big chair or is that a different big chair? Because he's in a different office, right? It's, it's like prototype Skywalker Ranch or something because he's got... Weirdly, there's still a photo of Marsha behind him, and there's like a Lucasfilm hat and a, just a random plant sitting back there. I like, I like this plant right here. So I wonder if this, if this is a this interview part was pre-divorce, maybe. I would think so, maybe. But also, Lucas gives this documentary's second bizarre shout out to Sidney Greenstreet. <laughs> I mean, he's based on all the sort of uh, evil Sultan-like characters you know the large i guess sydney greenstreet would be a good example and and um marlon brando would be a good example in the godfather the secret to return of the jedi <laughs> we're starting out return of the jedi month here with a bang and it's sydney greenstreet it all goes back <laughs> it's hard to stop thinking about lucas back in the big chair but then uh we got phil tippett talking about the history of jabba maquette it's i think this documentary is so great because carrie fisher's pretty chill billy d's super chill and then Phil Tippett is like comatose. We started off with this design for Java, which is basically a real sluggy, wormy creature. And George took a look at it and said, nope, not that one. It's too terrible. So we went to another version of Java, which is a much more humanoid sort of thing, the forearms. And he said, nope. I don't think he's been out of that creature shop, though. In four months, by the time those cameras are on him, I forget how just ridiculous. So the the Java with the uh, the mustache in the like really tight g string underpants. <laughs> how weird that one was. <laughs> oh, we better see that on Resistance. You know, maybe there'll be huts in Episode Nine. Maybe there'll be a a young speedo wearing mustache hut. It's memo number ten to JJ. Mm-hmm. Oh, and because once is never enough in classic creatures. We get to see our hero, Mike Edmonds, in the Jabba tale, getting a little bit of that backwards and forwards going on, that backwards and forwards. Give it a good old thrash on, like that, or backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. And if he's in a lazy mood, you just keep it like that. Right? I can never gets old. It never loses its, its luster. He is the true superstar of Star Wars. He's my hero, and every time that clip comes on, my heart soars a little bit. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, it's this part. Quiet, quiet. Everybody shut up. This is history. Like that. Or backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. Or backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. You got to give it up to this documentary, though, because... Classic creatures, especially this Jabba part, it's the clearest documentation I've ever seen, specifically on the making and construction of the Jabba puppet and just how outrageous that was. That's a good point for how big it was and the fact that they had to reconfigure a room into a kiln in order to have its space big enough to... uh to bake the latex down. Two, and they use something like two tons of clay. Like, that's just insane. Uh, it made me think, too, like, if there are huts in nine, and if they did do them the old way, I guess, maybe with some digital enhancement or something, that'd be a massive undertaking. Well, they did do the giant pig thing in Force Awakens. That was bigger than Java. 
It wasn't quite it wasn't quite as articulated as Java was though, but yeah, Java's huge. It's it's pretty amazing too when you see how many people were in him and how uncomfortable where they are that they were able to get him to move so believably. I still freak out. There's the one guy that's like got his head on like a piece of styrofoam and he's like what is he like at the bottom of Jabba or something? He's like, what, I don't even, I can't even ever pay attention to when he's describing what he's controlling because I'm always just like, man, you're going to die in that thing. These two controls here are the nostrils, left and right. This one here controls one corner of the mouth, and this one's the other. Oh, I'm glad this footage still exists of him. So there's proof. When he tells his grandkids today that he was on the set of Return of the Jedi. I was underneath Jabba the Hutt. Things kind of wrap up in Classic Creatures nicely by they give a a really cool shout out to kind of everybody who is kind of behind the scenes, like the Peter Mayhews and the Kenny Bakers. and It was really cool at the end. You know, the magic of the movies in Star Wars is people. What they do on the screen and what they did to get it there. It's the magic of the designers, creators, and builders of our favorite movie monsters. It's the magic of the operators and the actors, like Toby Philpott, David Barclay, and Mike Edmonds, of Tim Rose, of Little Warwick Davis, of Frank Oz, of Peter Mayhew, of Kenny Baker, and Anthony Daniels. Yeah, it is nice though, because this is like, especially for being 1983, like you didn't necessarily know who was who when you saw the movie. So it was kind of cool to give a give a shout out and a picture to everybody. This aired like right before Thanksgiving, 1983, when kids were out of school and people were sitting around and families were sitting around watching this. And you, I wonder how many people watching this were so inspired to be like, I want to make giant Jabba the Hutts out of two tons of clay. Like, this is the most insane, ridiculous thing that they're doing on these Star Wars movies. You know, what was Neil Scan- Scanlon somewhere in the UK watching this being like, yes, I need to make Thalia sirens and space nuns and giant space horses. Someday. And then watching it too just got me thinking like, God, what is the creature shot for nine looking like right now? Oh, yeah, totally. Because, you know, they've been already probably working on episode nine for months getting everything ready somewhere in the uk right now there's a room full of wild stuff <laughs> it's gonna drive there's gonna be a vanity fair photo spread in about six months it's gonna send us right over the edge we need to enjoy this, these quiet times while we can classic creatures is a classic like we said get out your blu-ray set watch it it's on youtube do whatever you gotta do it's a great trip down memory lane a great way to celebrate 35 years of return of the jedi It's the magic of make-believe, of the men and women who could call upon their imaginations to help us imagine what life was like in other worlds, at other times, in galaxies far, far away. Return of the Jedi, from the desert fortress of Jabba the Hutt, to the Death Star of the Galactic Empire, to the forest city of the Ewoks. This is the climactic chapter in the Star Wars saga. Remember the Force. Rejoice in the triumph. Return of the Jedi. Rated PG. Now playing at a theater in your galaxy. 
All right, so we have got some new iTunes reviews. Let's get through them. Let's start with the first one. Our first one is from Ian Smith, and it's These Guys Are Great. I love this podcast. Not only are these guys huge fans of Star Wars, they are funny as heck to boot. You'll get your dose of Star Wars fandom and a side order of goofy jokes and vintage commercials. This show is more than just two guys talking. It's a party. Thank you, Ian Smith. Side order of onion rings, too, maybe. Why not? We just want to party all the time. Our next one is from Stevie Prittich. And he writes, Star Wars fans come to the light side. Thanks, Jason and Gabe, for restoring my faith in Star Wars fandom. It's been a turbulent time of late, and I'm so glad I found this podcast recently. I love the humor, knowledge, and the joy you guys bring to all things Star Wars. I've been a Star Wars fan for 40 years, so it's nice to learn something new and see things from another perspective. Keep up the great work, and may the moof-milking force be with you. Well, thank you, Stevie. That's awesome. And next we have Friends in Fandom from K3Rilla. K3Rilla? I love listening to these guys. They always make me laugh, and I love that they don't take things too seriously. This is fandom done right. They are steeped in Star Wars knowledge, and I always learn something new when listening to them. Their love for Star Wars is easily felt in every episode, and it is just so wonderful to escape from the current fandom negativity and laugh along with these two goofy dudes. That pretty much sums it right up there. <laughs> you got that part right. <laughs> thank you, K3 Rilla. Thank you, Stevie Pritich. And thank you, Ian Smith, for those great reviews. And if you want to get your review read on the show, head over to iTunes, write a little something awesome, and we'll make it happen. We'll read it for you. Thank 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 you. Hi, JJ Abrams here. On behalf of the entire cast and crew of Star Wars Episode 7, thank you. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. Don't forget to check out lastpointspodcast.com. For comics, theme music, t-shirts, episodes, and check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and definitely join the Star Wars Blast Points chill group. You can post all the Star Wars craziness you want, and you can see all the craziness everyone else is posting, so it's a good time. Yeah, and our email is on the, the website, too, if you want to send us a message about anything. Just look for it over there. It's contact at blastpointspodcast.com. Yeah, we like to hear from you. Questions, comments, ideas for episodes. We want to hear from you. Next week, Return of the Jedi Month continues. Maybe it'll be special guests. I don't know. We'll see. Who knows what we're going to be talking about? You just have to tune in and find out. That about wraps up episode number 134. 
Thank every thank you everyone for listening. Go watch Classic Creatures. And watch Return of the Jedi. It's always a good time to watch Return of the Jedi. Every day. Watch it every day. That's your homework for August. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. Enough of this serious talk. I'd like to regale you now with, oh, I'm ugly, I'm ugly, yes, in. Cause beautiful's out ugly, in. If you're ugly like me, you're in good company. Cause there's millions of us who are ugly. Mick Jagger lips. May the force be with all of you.